So we are wrapping up Lamentations. Oh, I thought I would get a hand clap for that, right? Because some of you have asked, really? Five weeks in Lamentations. I studied this week and thought we could do like five more weeks. I got, yeah, I got a couple friends like, no, yeah, no. I'm not going to church here anymore if you do that. Although we've had some great crowds with this. I appreciate you guys coming and hanging out. And I look forward to Easter. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, at the end of the service, we're going to pray again for all the people that are going to come. It's going to be an amazing couple services next Sunday. 2,000 years ago, um, and, and even before, like we've read in Lamentations already, the people longed for what was promised to them, the Messiah that would come and free them from the tyranny of the people that had bound them. And throughout time, they had been bound and brutalized so badly, various times they would just go through these cycles of pain and suffering because of their sin. Remember, we've talked about this, the sin in them, the sin done to them, and the sin going on around them. And they would cry out through scripture, lamentations being this po poetry that is their lament for God to restore and renew the land and its people. And they would continue to cry for that, even in to where God would be silent for 400 years, where he would not even speak. Maybe sometimes you feel like that, like you are in a place right now and God is silent. Where are you? Lamentations we've seen, and we'll see it again today, cries out, where are you? God, save us. God, rescue us. When we come to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Jesus enters the scene. At one moment, he's a Messiah that has come many times. Someone promised to free people from, man, the bondage that the Romans were placing over the Jewish people at the time. And he comes and he speaks in such an amazing way. He enters into the community of people and he begins to speak differently, talk differently, teach differently. They see something different, something they long for, maybe much like we sang today. God, we long for your presence. Don't you want to belong? We all want to be part of something, something bigger than ourselves, something greater. We all want relationships. For those of us that, that know of God, believe in God, we want a relationship with this great, big, wonderful amazing God. Some of us have broken relationships with people that we long for them to be restored. It's not how it's supposed to be. And the people then wanted all that. They had a perspective, though, that they wanted something back that they thought they wanted. They wanted the land back, their stuff back. But it's not what they needed. They needed their hearts back. They needed something deeper done. So it was a confusing time for them. Jesus enters the scene and he speaks all these things and they're resonating with it. They long for it. And it comes to the end, towards the end, like much like we're entering into this season right now of Easter and it's Palm Sunday. So we recognize how he entered in to that last week before he would die. And he did that 2,000 years ago. People were crying out for God. He rides in, not on a war horse, 
what you would think the king, the conquering king would do, but if you know the story, what's he ride on? Little cold donkey. <laughs> Not the best picture of a king, right? And he comes in humbly and gently. The people throw down their coats, they're waving palm branches. They long for something and they want something, but they kind of have a messed up perspective. They want this king to come, conquer everything, and restore all their stuff back to them. But he wants their hearts. He wants to give them deep peace. He wants to do something even greater for them. I think right now that some of you may be in here, and what you want is maybe not what you need. Now, you can think about that, contemplate it for a minute. So, for example, this is one of the things that happens often here for lots of us. In broken relationships, especially those that are, you know, love relationships, marriage, for example, of course, a lot of times people, they're broken and they're apart. Someone has said they want a divorce and someone comes up and says, Ron, will you pray for me that my spouse will just come back so things can be the way they used to be? And I would say sometimes if I was properly kind of looking at the situation, I would go, I'm not going to pray that. And they would look at me, because now you're not going to come up and pray with me maybe, but they look and go, what? Like you could see in their eyes, like, what? What you want is not what you need. What you had, if it was so great, why are we in this situation now? I think a lot of us don't even know what we truly need. And a lot of people were in that situation 2,000 years ago. They were messed up, so much so that when Jesus comes in that way, the big higher-ups, all the leaders decide the only way to get rid of all this talk, all this garbage, because there's something deeper going on, is we got to kill this guy. And one of the things that they do, we'll remember it this week, maybe you'll read some devotions or something like that, is they place him, they arrest him, and they place him, we believe, in a dungeon. If you go to Israel with me, one of the places that I'll take you is called St. Peter Galicantu. And we'll go right outside of the old city in Jerusalem, and we'll walk into this chapel that sits above this, like, cave down at the bottom, and we'll walk our way down, and we'll stop in one place where you will see the local, like, prison, the, the local dungeon, uh, that was used 2,000 years ago, you'll see where they would have stretched prisoners on their hands. You'll see the, the um, holes in the rock where they would have stretched them out, the chains or rope, they'll lock their feet. You'll see all this. You'll see things where they would have caught the blood and made it flow off. You see where they would have beat them. You would have done that. And we will reflect for a moment that when Jesus was arrested before he was crucified, this is probably the place where he was put to be held and, you know, go to trial and all the things that we read about in the Gospels. And we'll come out of there and we'll go up a few steps and we'll go further down in. A place where we would have looked at from the top this hole and we will walk down inside there and it's a dungeon. It's a dungeon where they would have uh, 
probably thrown him in where he would have stayed overnight before he was brought before Pilate and the people. And we'll read Psalm 88. Let me just read a portion of it to you. If you want to go there at Psalm 88, the first few verses here. And we'll sit in there and we'll contemplate for a minute. Lord God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day. I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for my life is full of troubles and death draws near. I am as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They've left me among the dead and I lie like a corpse in a grave. I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit into the darkest depths. Your anger weighs me down with wave after wave. You have engulfed me. You have driven my friends away by making me repulsive to them. And he will continue on in this psalm with lament. And it even ends in verse 18. You have taken away my companions and loved ones. Darkness is my closest friend. And you will reflect with me and we will lament and think about the time in between suffering and resurrection. And I think today that maybe some of you were here as we have looked, you know, I would encourage you to listen to the other teachings. This all goes together so we don't cover everything today that we did. I think there are people here living And I think there's a world filled out there. I pray that we invite them to Easter, that other churches invite them to Easter, that people go somewhere. That that I pray that this coming Sunday is the biggest Sunday's journey has ever had here. That hundreds of more people come that are living in between what they think they want and what they need. Jesus, new life, because so many people are living there, not living the full life that Jesus desires for them. You know, he says that in John 10, 10, I've come because Satan's come to steal and destroy you, but I've come to give you that full, abundant life, something more that I have for you. People didn't all see it. Now he's going through it. And people like myself for so long are only partially living. We've looked at lamentations. Many of us live in denial. One of the, the words that we use, remember the little phrase, how you doing today? And your response is? Yeah. A lot of you said it today. You just continue to lie and lie every Sunday. Do you feel like you're only partially living? It's kind of a half life. So we've looked at lamentations. It's been tough for me. I haven't liked most of it. <laughs> but it's hard. Brings up tough stuff. We've been going through it. I'm proud of you guys. We have when we entered into this, we this this church right here, we lost people physically. They passed away in this series. 
We heard from beautifully from Renee last week. Man, if you're out there, especially women, connect with that woman. We heard beautifully where she was, where she is, and where God is taking her. But she's in it. It's just, you're in it. And many of you are like that. If we don't learn to lament well, mourn well, deal with sin and suffering well, we will not live well. We won't. We become blind and deaf to the sin and suffering in us, towards us, and around us. We read this quote more than once from Walter Brueggemann. Here's just a part of it. To withhold parts of life from the conversation that we need to regularly have with God is in fact to withhold part of life from the sovereignty of God. The moment we deny, get rid of any pain, suffering, all the junk that's going on, you are telling God that he is not capable of handling that part. And if we continue to do that with one another, then it's not building real relationships. They're fake. We're putting on appearances. Myself included. I've dealt with it, dealing with it, and I did not have the capability to flip a switch and it's all gone. I wish it was that easy, but we are in it together. And we need to learn that even more, that we should not withhold anything from God. Avoiding pain and suffering takes us out of the world of reality, and as I said, causes us to put on appearances we won't be able to be real, or be really loved. We won't live well, love well, worship well, and we will lose hope. But Lamentations, one writer wrote, denies denial. I like that. We read Lamentations, and you cannot deny it. There's pain and suffering in this world. You've dealt with it, are in it, or it's going to happen to you in some way, some form. We will all suffer. We will have sin impact us in some way. Lamentations is teaching us another way. When we started this over the past now five weeks, I'll tell you what, there's something, each one of you is catching some glimpse. There's some glimpses of hope, I think. Because I, I'm telling you, whether it's been text, email, some phone calls, and interactions personally with you, somewhere in there, some of you thought, okay, fine. Ron says he'll deal with this with me. I'm going to shoot him a text and tell him how much garbage I'm going through. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> but that's what I want. What if we all did that for one another? What if we all believe that? What if the kind of community that we create, that we're a part of, what if God's kingdom worked that way? One of the things I read this week, um, and I got a few things to share with you. You're going to look at Lamentations 5. Go there, Lamentations 5, verse 1. <clears throat> it's right after Jeremiah, kind of center of the Bible-ish. Uh, I was reading in Acts the story of Stephen, who will be persecuted and die. He'll be stoned to death for his faith loving people and caring for the hurting. Um, and one of the things that you thought would happen is that suffering 
would stop the gospel from expanding. And actually, it was the complete opposite. In Acts there, I think it's 8, it says that when all this happened, the crowds paid attention and the gospel went out. One of the things that suffering has done for a lot of us is it's caused us to pay attention. A lot of us were kind of dead to that, numb to it. And suddenly just talking about it on a Sunday morning, Kosan singing a song last week, Renee sharing some of you dialoguing and talking, getting help, talking to people, bringing it up, putting a voice to it. Suddenly it's, we're, we're paying attention a little more. I like that. And guess what? You'd think that all the sin and suffering and junk that's weighting us down would cause us to run away, but some of you are running in, leaning into God. And so the gospel's being shared. The good news of Christ, even though it's messy and hard, is going out. I just dig that. So Lamentations 5, let's wrap it up. Lamentations has shown us that we must remember God and his covenant with us. We won't go back into that. That was week one in there, week one, two. God has made a covenant with us. He keeps his promises. And that we need to learn to become, that's what we're going to kind of think about today, a people and a place that, number one, embody the presence of God. So one of the first things I want us to think about is that we should become a people and a place that embody the presence of God. Lamentations 5.1. Just this first verse will get us thinking about this. It says, Lord, this is a New Living Translation. Lord, remember what has happened to us. See how we have been disgraced. Remember and see. It's this, this lamenter, this, this poet saying, God, pay attention to us. Remember the past and re-enter God into the present. We need you, God, to remember and see us. To remember the past, we enter the present to see us in our suffering. What does it feel like for you to be noticed by someone? Even on Sunday, there could easily be in here people that complain even today. And it's, it could even be a lament. I come into a place, there's probably a couple hundred folks here today. No one sees me. No one knows me. That shows me. I'm sure there's some in here. We don't like it, don't want it. But I'm sure that some of you feel that way. But even that shows me that you long to be seen. You long to be known. You want to belong. I want us to be a place that embodies the presence of God. The presence of the church the church community, the people of the church can offer Christ's presence. We can offer people security, a safe place, a sense of order, shalom or peace in a suffering world. You remember we talked about how Lamentations is this acrostic. The first four chapters are acrostics. The, the writer, the poet, starts in verse 1 to 22 verses, and it's like verse 1 is A, verse 2 is B. It starts that way. It's an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet. And he's showing we want to lament, be the people of God from A to Z, all of life. What if we were like living acrostics to a world that's hurting, 
a world that's hiding, a world that's broken. Like we show them by example what it means to embody life, embody the presence of God in all of life. How great would that be to a broken, lost world? How great would that be for each one of us to live that way? Like they see the good, the bad, and the ugly. We don't fake it, even though it's hard. We don't put on appearances, so we think everything's fine. That there are times that you feel that you could come in and go, you know what? It's horrible today. How you doing? You would freak people out in here, huh? Walk up. How you doing today? Because we expect you to say, fine. I'm happy. I'm good. Or even you hint at something that's not good. You go, well, it's been a rough week, but God is good. But you just took the first part and tossed it aside, and now we can't deal with the truth. I get it because that's how I act a lot. I get it. But what if? And it's messy, man. I Part of me doesn't even want to encourage it because it just encourages like a mess, doesn't it? (laughs) But we have got to learn to be a people that embody the presence of God from A to Z, constantly, consistently reorienting people through our words and actions about God's covenant with them, that they are not alone, that God sees them. So if the presence of God in us, as followers of Christ, for those of you that follow Jesus, we believe that Jesus is with us, in us, works through us. So if that's true, then when we walk out this door today, Jesus, you don't leave him here. We act like it sometimes. He's with us. We embody God's presence out in this world, in your neighborhood, to your neighbor to the lost and broken who need these very things. So we got to learn how to be people that restore relationship, receive people with open arms. The second thing we see in Lamentations, here's the bigger chunk here, is we must become a people in a place that give voice to sin and suffering. Now, we've said this multiple times. Sin and suffering impacts us emotionally, physically, and spiritually. It impacts all types of people, race, social status, age. It impacts individuals and communities and nations even. Sin and suffering does. All places, local and global. Look at chapter 5, verses 2 through 18. This big chunk here just expresses another time the brokenness, listen to the struggle, the hurt, how it impacts all types of people in all types of ways. Our inheritance, verse 2 says, has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We're orphaned, fatherless. Our mothers are widowed. We have to pay for water to drink. Man, that sounds like today too. When did that happen, right? I didn't realize how profound that was. And even firewood is expensive. Yes, Man, thousands of years later, this still holds up, man. Those who pursue us are at our heels. We, now this line right here probably is how a lot of you feel. We are exhausted but are given no rest. 
Some of you are just flat out exhausted. Physically, because you're not sleeping well? Yes. Spiritually, because you're beaten up? Emotionally, because you've been just burned and bruised and battered? And you are exhausted. You can't find any rest. Not the kind of rest that just comes from sleeping. You need that too, of course. But the kind of rest that's peace in your heart. The kind of rest that Jesus speaks of. We submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough food to survive. They gave themselves over to those. Think about this. Egypt was the one that, you know, hundreds of years before, probably whenever it was, held them in bondage. They go back and give themselves over to the people that kept them as slaves before. They put themselves back into prison. Our ancestors sinned, but they have died, and we're still suffering the punishment they deserved. Slaves have now become our masters. There is no one left to rescue us. We hunt for food at the risk of our lives, for violence rules the countryside. The famine has blackened our skin as though baked in an oven. Our enemies raped the women in Jerusalem, the young girls in all the towns of Judah. Our princes are being hanged by their thumbs. Our elders are treated with contempt. Young men are led away to work at millstones. Boys stagger under heavy loads of wood. The elders no longer sit in the city gates. The young men no longer dance and sing. Man, it is impacting every age, every race, every social status. This stuff is destroying them. Joy has left our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. The garlands have fallen from our heads. Weep for us because we have sinned. Our hearts are sick and weary. Our eyes grow dim with tears. And many of you right now know exactly what that feels like. For Jerusalem is empty and desolate, a place haunted by jackals. We must become a people and we must become a place where we give voice to sin and suffering. This will come up in many ways, but we have got to do that for what we've spoken of most of as individuals, those that have lost loved ones, even recently. We must give voice to these things, those suffering in sin, hurting and broken from abuse in the past and the present. Voice to those that are struggling with jobs and relationships. But I, I want to challenge us a little bit. This is probably a whole other series. We've got to give a voice. We've got to learn how to do this as a people and a place that gives voice to the brokenness in our nation and the world. We cannot sit here in Medford, Oregon and not learn somehow how to mourn with the people in New York. As a nation, we have things that we may go, well, it doesn't really matter here because of what's going on over there. And my challenge would be, yes, it does. Racism, abuse, what's going on sometimes in the world. I don't know exactly how it looks 
I don't know exactly what it's going to look like for us, but we have got to somehow mourn with our brothers and sisters in our nation and around the world. We cannot be blind and deaf to what is going on. Even today, brothers and sisters who follow Christ were killed celebrating what we freely do this morning on Palm Sunday in Egypt. We cannot be blind to what's going on around the world. In May, we will have friends here, and some of us will come and listen and be challenged to do something about Syrian refugees that are being destroyed, killed, some of them in the name of, in the name of a God, but because they follow Jesus. Some of us over the coming years will go there. We'll put aside fear. We will enter in for the lives of people. Folks, when we do this, it's gonna get messy, but we cannot be blind to it. And sometimes I can get so caught into my little world, my little kingdom, and I can try to keep it all safe and pretty. But man, God wants to work locally and globally, maybe it's even in your own neighborhood, whatever it is, but we must become a people that gives voice to sin and suffering. And again, not just spiritually, yes, of course, but physically, emotionally. I love when Diana shares this morning and she says, this individual, I know who she's talking about, I've eaten at his house, I've hung out with him, one of these guys, he's emotionally got some serious baggage, but God is redeeming his life. What if we only looked at it from one part of life? Then a guy would miss out on being free and whole. It's an amazing story. We're going to have to engage with folks in all facets of life, all colors, all social groups. We've got to look at God's kingdom and his work differently and learn how to do this together. May we become a place that gives voice to sin and suffering, but then we must become a people in a place that offer hope to the hurting. We don't just leave it there. We aren't just about learning how to give voice to it. We wanna help those that are hurting, give them hope. Lamentations 5, 19 through 22, the rest of the chapter. But Lord... Remember, we learn this constantly. The Psalms are filled with it, but yet, and we're reminded of something then. Here's all this ugliness, but yet, Lord, you remain the same forever. It's covenant. Your throne continues from generation to generation. You are eternal. God, you're bigger than what I see. You always have been, you are right now, and you always will be. There is something bigger getting get, get going on here. Why, though, in the midst of it, why do you continue to forget us? Why have you abandoned us for so long? Then back. I love this set of verses because it's the, the writer back and forth, back and forth. You ever feel like that? I got it. I don't get it. I got it and get it. No, I don't. I'm broken. I'm happy. But, right? Sounds a little crazy, I know, but... That's part of this life. Why have you abandoned us for so long? Here's, a, here's the prayer. Restore us, O Lord, and bring us back 
to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. Or have, and then here's the end of the whole poem. Or have you utterly rejected us? Are you angry with us still? Mic drop, walk off stage. <laughs> Horrible on one hand. <clears throat> now, here, let me tell you something that, that fits for my human nature apart from God. The Jews even today, in general, this is a very big general statement here. Every year, read Lamentations, the whole book, one setting, out loud, they do this thing. But they refuse to end on such a broken note, so they go back to verse 21 again and read it to wrap up. So they go, uh, you know, why do you forget us? Why have you abandoned us? Restore us, O Lord. Bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. Or have you utterly rejected us? Are you angry with us? Restore us, O Lord. Bring us back. And they can't end on a sour note. But one of the things that I like about this is it seems more real life that the poet left it at that place. It's almost like he left it in God's hands. God, here, here's my, my life. Here's where I'm at. I think some of the greatest things that you could do today is share the truth of your heart with God and then embrace what Jesus says and comes out in Scripture many times. In Matthew 5, 4, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We've got to learn to be a people that offer hope to the hurting and remind them that God comforts those that are broken. What does that look like? Just real quickly before we wrap up, sing a song, take some communion. We need to offer this hope and help and be a place that restores, as we said earlier, their voice with real prayer, real conversation, hope in the midst of hurting like we see in that scripture. In the midst of all this hurting and struggle, and we've seen it in Lamentations, we offer real prayer, real conversation. We are to be a people, comforters, wounded healers, advocates, who can give a voice when others cannot. We can let them know that someone sees and hears them. And I don't think that we do real well with that. It scares us. We always feel like we need to fix someone or something, pull them out of that brokenness. But part of us offering hope is to recognize their voice and sometimes to give a voice to what they can't. We can become a place where pain and suffering can be expressed by a hurting world. Sometimes that can happen in a service. It's really happened in our small groups. You should all join one the next time we do them, like especially the fall when they come back in a big way. Maybe you're gonna continue on where you can give voice and someone will actually listen to you. We do that with funerals or you know, uh, different things that we can offer people and let them express the truth of what's going on in their heart. We also do that when we read Lamentations and 
we're also reminding ourselves that concerning sin, hey, let's not do this again. Concerning suffering, we are not alone, that redemption will happen. The Psalms speak of that so many times. You remember that line in there that said, you turned my dancing into mourning? Some of you might have thought already of the song in the Psalm, Psalm 30, 11. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you. You've given me back a voice and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. I think when we give voice to the hurting, it also helps them give voice to the joy and a reminder of God as well. Some people have lost their voice completely. We also help them with their sight. Lamentations helps us look beyond ourselves, something bigger than us. So it could be in lamenting what is going on in the world, but it's also seeing something bigger that we've lost sight of in God. So one of the things that we're reminded of is that God is bigger, that this is something eternal. So by lamenting together, being a place where people can experience that, they gain hope for something eternal, something bigger going on. So for example, we give voice to pain in losing a loved one. And the tension that we have there, and maybe it's not just, it's not necessarily tension, but it's also a reminder that as followers of Christ, death is not the end. It goes together. I'm sad because I lost a loved one and I give voice to that. I praise God with joy because he or she is with the Father. You, you can do both. In fact, as we said in the beginning, you must do both. We see something bigger than ourselves. We give them their sight back. Many people are blind to what God is doing, where he's at, and what's going on in the lives of people. We also give them hope in their relationships with one another and God. Again, we said belonging, restoration of relationships is so important for us. Our, our vision for the church is we want you to have healthy, growing relationships with God, yourself, one another, and a hurting world. And this is part of that. So we want to reorient people back to God, his story, his character, his care for us. The new work that he wants to do in us. I'm going to have the worship team come, and while they're coming up, and we get ready to do communion and, and sing a song together, and then uh, I want to pray with you before we go. Paul says that we're Christ's ambassadors. So take all this, put it together, something that comes out, and uh, let me remind you of what Jesus wants us to do and be. <clears throat> on a plaque on the bottom of the Statue of Liberty is a poem called New Colossus, penned by the Jewish poet Emma Lazarus. She wrote it in 1883. Many of you know part of it very well. Let me read the whole thing to you. Not like the brazen giant of Greek frame, Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land, 
Here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman and a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name, Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. That's some beautiful words. For a nation that wants to embrace the broken and hurting from around the world, our cry at that time was, come one, come all, you're welcome here. Many have tension with that right now because we feel we've shut some people out. And we could debate that all along. But I need to tell you, though I want America to be great, America is not our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. As followers of Christ, man, I long for those words, but listen to the words of Jesus. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. 2,000 years ago, people wanted their land back. And today, people want to come to America for a piece of land, an opportunity. But what we really need is rest that can only come from Jesus. For he says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give to you is light. Hey, listen, we must become a people in a place that gives space to practice the way of Jesus. A people in a place that, as Jesus just said, with humility and gentleness lead the weary sinner and the heavy burden sufferer to a place and a person of rest. And his name is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And 2,000 years ago, he rode into town not to be the conquering king of a land, not to restore back everybody's stuff, but to restore your souls back to the place where it needs to be, to give you real rest. And I pray that we become a people and a place that embraces that for ourselves, but man, embraces bodies that out into a world that is broken. He even says, you stand with me, will you? We're going to take communion together. He says, he says there, come learn from me. What if we were a people in a place that gave space to learning that together? Folks, it's going to take practice. It's going to take lamenting and messiness, correcting ourselves, but what if we were like that? What if this is the place that we said, all you brokenhearted, all you weary and wounded, come. There's a place at the table for you.
I believe that a door of hope stands ajar. Like Jesus came 2,000 years ago, someone started to crack the door open, and the devil said, no, you're not coming into this place. And Jesus, like I do this, stuck his foot in the door. You ever done that? Now you can't shut it. Folks, a door is ajar. We have an opportunity here to become these kind of people, this kind of place. For many of you, Easter has not yet dawned, but it will. And Father, thank you. There's a place at the table for everyone, and we enter today into your table, Lord, of remembering Jesus Christ, our Savior, who rode out into town to free people from sin, to give them rest for their souls, gently and humbly entered in, God, to just take care physically, emotionally, spiritually, give us a full, abundant life. May we receive that today. And we remember the blood that was shed for our sin, the body that was given for each one of us. And we want to thank you today for that. May we become a people in a place that embody you, Jesus, to a broken world. In Jesus' name, amen.